What's up, Internet? You're tuning in episode 42 of the Flip Screen Games Podcast, a weekly video game podcast where two best buds from different nations come together to discuss the wide, wide world of video games. I'm your host, Pete and Bessie, joined as always by my very good friend and co-host, Mr. Stephen Radford. Hello, hello. Welcome back, Steve. It's another big pile of PlayStation news today. Uh, as well as a little Star Wars peppered in. So it's it's a great, great day for your boy here. I'm staring down the barrel of a three-day weekend. We got a lot of fun news to discuss. How you doing? I'm doing all right, yeah. Surprising week for, for news. It was like, it all started with this Jim Ryan investor presentation, and then it kind of spiraled out from there. We've got some random stuff about, like, new PlayStation Studios titles being produced, at, like, movies and TV shows. Then a state of play gets announced, and then like a Star Wars game gets announced. It's been a big week, big week. Phil Spencer announced that Xbox, if if the deal goes through, that they're, they're going to recognize Raven Software, the mm-hmm. first ever video game union that they will recognize it. Let alone the fact that that union got formed, and, and we're not even talking about that this week because all this stuff just dropped like yesterday. So somehow all of the stuff I thought we were going to talk about just in the rear view already because that's the way news is working now these days as we barrel towards the, you know, I guess I guess summer game fest season, we'll call it now because uh, it seems like E3 is no more here. But I uh, yeah. did want to just acknowledge that real quick. Huge news. Congratulations to the folks at Raven. Uh, you know, here's hoping that uh, everything, that that transition is smooth uh, when, you know, if and when, I guess I should say, uh, they fall under the Xbox banner. But was glad to see Phil make that that comment. Um, Not so public. Yeah, we've, we've... No, it's worth knowing that wasn't public. It was in an all-hands meeting, apparently. So it hasn't publicly been acknowledged yet. But Sure. I, I, I think he's kind of made it clear he's a man of his word, I think. So I think if he's saying that to I think so. internal staff, he's probably going to go with it. Regardless of your feelings on, on Phil Spencer, I think that... That that's my impression of him anyway, right? Is I, his track record has been pretty good mm-hmm. in terms of doing what he says he's going to do. So um, I think you can probably take that one to the bank, but we shall see. Yeah, we also had that um, like um, the rumored like puck thing, you know, the streaming puck, the Xbox streaming puck. Yes. Oh my god. And that yeah. they, that they've officially acknowledged that it existed and the code name that Windows Insider got, and that is being rebooted. So it, we might not see it anytime soon. They're taking a new, a fresh approach, but. Yeah, we probably would have spoke about that for a long time as well, but there's just too much in that in the PlayStation. I swear side to God, it was like PlayStation knew, right? They're like, we, you know, flip screen <laughs> games. They did a PlayStation episode last week. It's going to be Xbox's week this week. No, 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 not today. Not on our watch. We're going to drop several huge pieces of news that could have been a podcast. We could have had four podcasts out of this PlayStation news, but we're going to just get to all of it today. Uh, but before that. Let me remind you for the last time that this episode of the Flip Screen, Flip Screen Games podcast is brought to you by our Patreon producers for the month of May. And they are, of course, Christian Oliveria, Christopher Valenz, Gabriel Hasselmeyer, a.k.a. Sobe, Mary Berry, Smokey Shake, Wakahula, and Zaid Ida. Thank you all for your support over on Patreon.com slash Flip Games. Y'all are the real still the real, and we appreciate your appreciation of this fine program. Uh, remember, if... 
even if you don't have any money to toss our way, there's a bunch of ways you can get involved. Head over to our website, flipscreen.games. You can find links to our Patreon. You can find links to our Twitch channel, our Discord, uh, our, our email address if you want to write in and be part of the show. However you choose to get involved, we appreciate you being here. And uh, let that's enough shilling for now, right? Let's just jump into Let's jump into this because otherwise we're not even going to get to all this stuff today. So, like, right before we were getting ready to go live... Uh, we are we are recording this show uh, a little later than we normally do, and of course uh, today the twenty seventh is the Star Wars celebration, big day uh, in the Star Wars community, um, and we got a brand new trailer for uh, the sequel. I'll say the hotly anticipated sequel to Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, which is uh, we got an official title for it. It is Star Wars Jedi Survivor. And we got that alongside a brand new teaser trailer, which uh, I've got playing for the the kids over on YouTube right now. Um, and I, you know, it's it's just a cinematic trailer, right? Like it's it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not getting into the nitty gritty of the gameplay or anything like that, and even what they're giving you about the story is is sparse. But like, I got really excited watching this trailer and just thinking about how much I really fucking dug this game. And how much I'm I'm really excited by the the idea of being able to like get back in this this world and spend some more time with Cal and the cast of characters that you know I built around him and everything and you know I don't know like I'm 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 excited I'm excited for another like big meaty Star Wars game. Yeah, me too. It's been a while. I mean, and this isn't the only one that's in that's in work the works right. This is the one at EA, and we've got potentially a lot more coming now that. Lucasfilm Games has kind of taken over and that's become its kind of own brand itself. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have Amy Hennig working on that, her like second at bat doing like a narrative Star Wars game. We'll see if this one pans out, hopefully. Um, and a couple other games. Yeah. That, that really, I think, look exciting. Um, but I think this one is, is like very much at the top of my list just because like, it is a known quantity, right? Like, yeah. I know how much I like the first game. You know what this is going to be, right? Where it's like, ideally, it's going to be, you know... I mean, I'm, I'm assuming it's going to be a similar Metroidvania meets, you know, Souls-like type game. And ideally, we'll start with some of the abilities we had, you know, unlocked uh, throughout our journey in the first game. Then we'll get all these fresh new abilities, new environments, new species of aliens, you know, new companions, all that stuff. Um and that's really all I need, you know. More sounds great. Plus, twenty twenty three is probably going to be uh, like current gen exclusive. No cross gen at this point. That point, I imagine it's going to. It would have to. Gonna be. Gonna that game barely ran on. That game barely ran on the the. I'm sorry. The prequel. The prequel. The previous game barely ran on last gen consoles. I can't imagine a sequel being able to to work on like a launch PS4. Like no fucking way. Yeah, I played. I played um, what I played of it on the Series X, and I think they added, they patched in a performance mode at that point, so I must be able to play at sixty frames per second. I can't imagine playing that game at like thirty or dipping below thirty. It wouldn't have been a very nice experience. But I'm looking forward to it. I think this has motivated me to pick up the game on Steam and give it another go on my Steam Deck. I think I got about halfway through on Xbox, and I just never ended up finishing it which is a shame. Um, so it would be good if I could get back to it and, and finally finish it. Cause I know you really enjoyed it apart from I think you had issues with yeah. the final boss. Was it? 
I really hated the final boss, but I, I've come to learn that I think that was more a me problem uh, because the boss is really hard and there's these items that you can unlock through exploration that um, are basically like potions, right? And like you get a certain number of charges that you can use and they only recharge like I think it's save points. So like in the process of a boss fight, you can only use them one time each. And I think I had three and there are 10. So if I had unlocked all 10, I probably would have had an easier time with the fight. Okay, yeah, definitely would have had an easier time, yeah. Um, yeah, but I just, I had my teeth kicked in, and it felt like a really, like, weirdly frustrating difficulty spike, because I had not had that level of issue. Like, there were other boss fights that were hard that I had to play multiple times and, like, practice and get the rhythm, but, like, this was one where it was just, like, you know, you know when you're like playing a boss that has phases and you're struggling and like you're getting to the you're like oh I'm finally getting to the last phase and then you're just immediately dying and it's like I'm not even being able to learn the pattern because I'm just mm-hmm. fucking dying as soon as I get to this last phase and I hit a point where I was just like enough is enough like if I don't bump the difficulty down and just beat this I'm gonna just not beat the game because I don't want to do this anymore you know um, and it, it sounds like if I had maybe engaged with the metroidvania of it all uh you know more i guess or or better or or what have you um i would have had more of that that resource that would have mitigated some of the difficulty but um yeah i shot myself in the foot on that one i guess (laughs) yeah i think the worst experience i've had like that i've i mean i've had a lot of that in elden ring where you're, I, I had a point where I beat the, a boss. It was one of those like spirit bosses. I beat it and I thought that was it. And I was really excited because I had tried beating this thing like 10 times. And then another one spawned immediately after. <laughs> and you had to kill two of them. In no. a row. And I was like, fuck this. And I just like, it was the, it was the first time I rage quit that game. I was like, no fucking way. I lost all of my runes. I like, I was just so annoyed and frustrated with the game. I was just like, no. So I can understand your frustration coming from it, especially if you it's it's not really clear. Like if you haven't really played this kind of game before, I guess you don't really understand. Because like, in I would imagine now, like going into Elden Ring, knowing that, knowing that you need to go get more potions and like golden seeds and things to like ensure you've got more charges and stuff. You wouldn't just go yeah. into a battle with three potions. At least not the final. Well, that's end the battle. thing is, it's it's like a permanent resource, right? So, like, I didn't know that there were ten of them, right? I knew that you're guaranteed. I think, I don't know, one or two of them, like just through story progression, and then you unlock the rest of them, mm-hmm. right? So, I don't know. Say, I, maybe I had four, right? And one of them you get outside the door of the final boss. So I was like, okay, like I've not had an issue with health up until now. So why would I even think to be like, oh, there's 10. I better go hunt them down. It was just like, oh, I have the ones I have and I'm getting along fine. Right. So like whatever. Um, but now I know right now. Now I know. So I won't have that problem this time around in uh, in Jedi. I will be the Jedi survivor. I'm pretty confident. <laughs> <laughs> what's the um, what's the name of the little robot that um, 
they they have in in Fallen Order. Because I forget. I, it's like K. Check out this that I've just pasted into our our, our doc. They they're releasing a Lego <gasps> version of him, and what? it's so cute. It's oh so my cute. god, Steve! <laughs> I need this. Oh my god, hold on! I'm gonna show it to the the kids. Yeah, it's just uh, like it's, it's a little Lego version. Yeah, I, look at I really, him. He's so cute. I really hope someone motorizes it because it'd be so cool to turn that into like a a little walking Lego Technics robot. I. I love him. I think he's like he's one of my favorite droids. Um, I just I love the design of like the little the little legs and everything. Like mm-hmm. I just think he's so cute. What's what is his name? Let me see. Jedi, Jedi Fallen Order droid. BD One. That's his name. BD One. Okay, I love him. Dude, when I was in Disney World a couple of weeks ago, like in the Star Wars space, Sarah just randomly dropped his name. She's like, oh, yeah, like it'd be cool if they had like BD1. And I was like, why did you? I didn't even remember his name. Why do you remember that? (laughs) And it's like I forgot, like she she played that on PC and I, I don't. I don't think she finished it either. I think she kind of burnt out on it. So you so she owns it on PC so you can access it. She does. Oh, Shit, maybe I can. <laughs> and yeah, just, I'll have to have her share her Steam easy, library. Easy account switching on Steam Deck as well. So if you hold down, if you go to the power menu, you can just switch mm. accounts now. So I got to figure out the library sharing yeah. thing because that's clearly my issue. Is like if I just have access to my, yeah, you know, whoever shares the library, yeah, then I can play it for free. You know, that'll be great. Um, I was thinking about playing it again on Xbox, but maybe I'll do that. So. Uh, you know, we'll talk more about Jedi Survivor as the news comes, but 2023 is what they're claiming right now. Hopefully they can hit that date. Um, I would love, love to play this game next year. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I hope that they had the time that they needed on it, because I know that was a game that, like, it came in kind of hot. And, like, I remember in the first, like, week or two, there was a lot of, like, complaints about performance. And I remember I got the game a little bit late, and... Like, they had done an amazing patch that had solved a lot of the issues that people were, were encountering. So, hopefully, um, you know, with how successful the original was, they take the time to make sure that this one comes in um, in a state that is, you know, stable for everybody and is really being able to take advantage of that next-gen hardware. I think they will. And I um, and personally, I think Respawn is, is EA's, like, finest asset at the moment. They really are pumping out some incredible games i just look at how well apex is is doing um yeah and they've got a good well, track this record is, the, the fallen order was like one of the most successful games in ea's portfolio yeah um they were like like it really exceeded expectations so um yeah i i, I agree with you i think they're a real crown jewel studio over there right now and i mean not for nothing too right they also birthed vince zampella who is, I think, the most important person at EA, right? Like, the renaissance EA is going through right now, I really attribute to him becoming a board member and bringing on other like-minded people in leadership roles who have, you know, done some really good work and I think are are doing a good job of kind of uh, dusting off the brand and, and giving it a little bit more uh, clout again, which I'm... As as somebody who likes a lot of the studios and IP that EA owns, I'm I'm excited to see that. So let's transition over to the PlayStation conversation because there's a whole lot of it. Uh, We'll kick things off with the announcement of a state of play coming on June 2nd. 
uh, which is supposed to be around 30 minutes. And PlayStation promises exciting reveals from our third-party partners, plus a sneak peek at several games in development for PSVR 2. Uh, so this is interesting because, you know, this is a, a place where, like, Sony has been weirdly absent the last couple years, right? Like, they really haven't done a lot of, like, state of play or any kind of presentation in this, like, June E3 Summer Games Fest season. Um, so it is exciting, and I think that puts a lot of expectation on this presentation and i hope that playstation has the goods and that they're gonna come and deliver and not have it kind of and that's the thing is i don't i don't know what that's what it's gonna be considering like they've they've put the emphasis on third party stuff it makes it seem like they've got nothing for ps5 from their studios to show and i feel like that's what people want to tune in for that's what they're excited about is I want to see the Last of Us remake, or I want to see what's next from uh, from Naughty Dog and, and what they're doing, or what's Sony Bend working on, or where's God of War Ragnarok. So uh, I feel like that's what's what people next? people want, or they want to see more yeah. details about Wolverine or the next Spider-Man game or whatever. Yeah, and I, and I don't think we're going to see that. No, we're not seeing any of that by the sounds of it. We're probably going to see some of that Horizon PlayStation VR 2 game. And we'll talk about it more, like Jim Ryan's presentation mentions that there's 20 plus PlayStation VR 2 titles at launch. It's not clear if that means that they're like PSVR 1 titles that have been upgraded for PSVR 2, which I would imagine some of them are, like Beat Saber's probably going to be there, it's the most popular game on basically every VR platform, they're going to want that Yeah, updated. I wonder if they'll count that. I think they probably will. Um but I'd like to see what else they've got up their sleeves. I'd love to see something like Half-Life Alex come over. I think it's about time that we got some serious VR games uh, announced. Because uh, at the moment, it seems like we've only got the Horizon one, which is like an on-rails game by the looks of it. So I'd like to see some some more serious games come into that platform. And like they have studios that are pretty you know, dedicated to doing VR. So like you have to imagine that they have you know, a, a first-party VR-specific title that you can only play on PSVR 2 that they're going to want to show off. Do you think that's going to be the case? Do you think they'll only be on PSVR 2 based on yeah. their PC strategy at this point, though? I mean, unless PSVR 2 is PC-compatible, which it could be, um, I I don't see them putting it on another VR device because I don't think that that's the same thing. Um, who knows? I've been wrong before, right? Um We'll see, but I I think I think that the things that I've said about PlayStation's PC plans have mostly h- held true, right? I said that like games that would come to PC, it would always be later. It would be more than a year removed. It would probably be closer to like an eighteen month cycle or longer. Um, something like that, I guess, could happen. But I feel like with what Sony's doing with VR and the fact that like even from PSVR, right? Like, they decided to plant their flag in the consumer VR space, and they are, you know, one of the big competitors in that space. They right? are, they're, like, they're number two behind, uh, and, by, behind Meta. And I think that with that in mind, um, 
they can't afford to let their premium software go on other devices because the differentiator for them is that they have games and they have real, you know, like premium games that are exclusive to their platform. And I think that like they can't compete with meta in terms of investment in tech and they can't compete with, you know, um, some of the other competitors in the VR space because they're not as big a company and they're, they're differentiators that they know how to make premium software and compelling video games and they have the brand strength, right? People mm. know PlayStation. They trust PlayStation. They it's almost as big as, hot, um, as Instant Pot. Almost. Almost as big as Instant Pot, according to Jim Ryan's investor presentation. <laughs> so with that in mind, I, I do think that the big PSVR titles um, that they are developing in-house will be exclusive and that they will look at those as similar to like Half-Life Alex, where it's like it's it's the, the um, killer app. Right, that's the thing that makes you buy it. It it's is, like, but well, like, if I'm gonna, life... I want a VR headset. I can play Beat Saber anywhere, but I can't play, you know, mm-hmm. Horizon, whatever, anywhere. Probably not that, but you know, uh, Iron Man VR anywhere. Right, those kinds of things. Yeah, I really wonder what we're gonna see. Like, if we've got, if we've got some like big games coming for PSVR two, I wonder what types of games they are. Because I just the experiences they put out for PSVR one. And what was that like uh, shooting game they did that I just I tried with that stupid goofy PlayStation Move gun and it was just it was not great. It was a really bad experience. Like you were jumping around from place to place. It wasn't good. It wasn't a modern or a modern VR game should feel like. I could see this, and I, it was one of my predictions this year. So I do hope it comes true. I still could see PSVR two working with PC and then putting the titles out on PC as well because I still think that's going to be a very expensive device i think it's probably going to be about 500 dollars, and i think for that price you could justify it being an accessory that sells to pc as well because that's a niche product at that price it's a an accessory for a uh, an already expensive console um and if you've already got a pc and you want to get into vr and you want to play those titles one they can't make enough ps5 so if you wanted to play that game you've got to buy a ps5 first and then you've got to buy a psvr2 on top of that in order to play that game you're very much limiting the number of people that can play those titles i think if they can put them on pc and and say like right you can just play this game with your psvr2 why not do that um especially with some of the stuff that they've been talking about in in their presentation i think i think the only way i see that happening is if that um, if if there is an, a, an instance where there's a PlayStation-specific uh, PC launcher, right? If Sony gets a, a, a PlayStation-specific launcher where you can buy those PSVR games and that's the only way you can buy them, then sure. At that point, I think I'd be okay with... Or not even that I'd be okay with it. I, I, would, I could see that logic. Because mm-hmm. um, I do think that you're right that... Um, that... Uh, you do want to try to have more people have access to the tech. And if like you do allow integration with PC, um, that could mean a lot more headsets sold to people that are never going to buy one if it's saddled to a PS5. Um, But I also think that, 
I, the idea of them like putting those games out day and date on other platforms and allowing, you know, other people to play them. I just don't, I just don't see that, you know? And I, I think like, we're going to talk about some of Sony's other plans and, you know, I, I, I think that the reality of what Sony's strategy is, is somewhere between the two extremes that you and I have talked about and taken on the subject, you know, where I don't think that Sony's as averse to putting their stuff on other platforms as I thought, but I also don't think they're as bullish about it as you thought. Um, and I, that's, I think the truth is somewhere in the middle there. And I think that's the kind of thing that seems like a bridge too far to me, unless they're like, Hey, this PC thing is working really well for us. Let's put out a launcher and stop putting our games on the Epic game store and put them on the PlayStation store. And, you know, um, and kind of lean into that. I think that's something that could make a lot of sense. Um, and I mean, like there is evidence to, to point to that. So I'll, I'll we're going to jump around a little bit between the, um, the presentation, but let's, let's talk about the PC growth because that was one of the big things that they called out. Right. So, uh, they, in the, um, presentation, there's a slide that has a quote, exponential growth to be sustained by PC titles beyond, uh, fiscal year 22. They're forecasting 300 million plus in revenue from PC games this financial year, uh, which is up from 80 million in 2021 and 35 million in 2022. So, I mean, that's that's already huge, right? They're forecasting more than a triplicate increase of what they made in the space this year, which points to the idea that they're probably going to release a lot more games or that they underestimated how much people would want to buy these games on PC. You're muted. Sorry, I think it's probably a mixture of the both because we've already know that Uncharted's coming, and I think that they know that's going to be a big game. It's the first time that that uh, that collection's been available on PC. It's, it's just the new ones, though, right? It's not the Nathan it's, Drake collection. It's just four and the uh, Lost Legacy. Lost Legacy. Yeah, that's. I think that's a bad call. I really feel like that's going to limit their success. Yeah, me but, too. Uh, and I think we already had rumor that The Last of Us was coming as well. I think maybe that was on a slide. Um, and I would imagine, and, and we've also got the rumor that, um, uh, what is it? Uh, oh gosh, Returnal. Sorry, is coming to to Steam, right? For the, for the yeah, that'll time. be the first PS Five exclusive. Yeah, because that was that showed up on uh, on Steam on on a Steam database. Um, so that's the first PS Five exclusive coming over. So they've, they've potentially got two, maybe three big games coming on top of all of the um, existing titles, which I think is really only Horizon Zero Dawn, Days Gone, and God of War. And maybe, it is. maybe do they get like a slice of uh, the director's cut of um, Kojima's game, Death Stranding? I don't believe that they do. I think that's independent. I'm not sure how that works exactly, but I believe that it's... I don't think it's published by Sony on steam you can look that up though if they're the publisher then they would get their cut but um so i do while you look that up i do want to talk about some of these numbers because they're they're really impressive uh in in a couple regards um so horizon zero dawn uh is the oldest game right that's been on these other platforms uh when was that released 
I'd love to uh, get 2020, a on... August 2020 on the on PC. And Days Gone was May 18th, 2021. And God of War was January 14th, 2022. There we go. So with that in mind, right, all these fairly recent releases, right, um, Horizon being the oldest and about two years old, it sold 2.398 million units and uh, driven about $60 million in revenue, which is huge. Right, this is a an an old game at this point that they were able to sell again, brand new, full price to many folks, and you know get another two and a half almost million copies sold of a game that you know sold well, right for for a console exclusive. But there's always going to be limitations there, so they've got to be happy about that return, um, and oh, even yeah. more so for. For days gone, which has uh, eight hundred and fifty-two thousand uh, units moved for twenty-two point seven million dollars in revenue, which is again huge for a game that I think is safe to say Sony feels like underperformed, right? Yeah, um, considering they didn't believe in it enough for a sequel, all that stuff. Yeah, that that game had sold eight million copies um, by twenty twenty, apparently. Um, so ten percent again on on PS on PC. Uh, Horizon is down um, as selling 20 million copies on both PlayStation and PC as of January this year. So, if you so take that's, off again, two, 10%. Yeah, well, if you take off the 2.4 million, it's, it's over 10% because that's both platforms combined. So they're looking at, like, what, 17.5 million that they sold on PS4 and then 2.5 million on, on PC. Presumably they've sold more by, uh, by this point because these were, uh, as of March 2022, these figures. Um, and you got to imagine more copies got sold in the yeah you know hype and aftermath of of uh, Forbidden West. Yeah, Forbidden West, and I, and I've been considering picking this up just because of Steam Deck. I'm just like, yeah, I kind of want to run around and play these games. No wonder now that like those little handheld PCs are becoming more of a thing. How many people are gonna like buy on these again for a second time? Make it make another handheld Sony. Do it. <laughs> Uh, and then God of War, the most recent to come out, uh, is at 971,000, almost a million units in just a few months, which is huge. Um, speaks to what an appetite there is around that game. Uh, $26.2 million in revenue. It probably is at a million at this point, right? Because these figures, like I say, are, are three months old at this point. Yeah. So it's it's. And what really, was the, really did you sad. have the lifetime sales on God of War? Uh, I don't on on God of War on PC. One second. Uh, so, so on PS4, it sold nineteen and a half million copies. Wow, it sold less than Horizon. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, oh no, that's on PS4 alone. That's on PS4 alone. So it sold more than Horizon. Okay. Horizon was seventeen. Would have been seventeen and a half million yeah. on P- PS4. Still so. pretty close, though. I would have thought God of War was higher. Um, but yeah, I mean, so that, that's huge, right? Like that's, that's a, that's a really significant amount of, of revenue for re-releasing old games. So I'm sure that they're really happy with that return and that they're going to want to try to replicate that success. They um, definitely will. They I mean, I think we've seen that in their investment in, in studios like Nixie's, um, who are just dedicated to porting and they specifically called that out in this deck as well that, uh, they, they, purchase them to port P- uh, games to PC. And that was their primary yep. purpose. 
Uh, and there was also another point here uh, that they're expecting around 30% of their releases to be on PC in 2025. And that's the, to contextualize that, they don't mean that 30% of the games that they release um, will be like PC only, that they'll be releasing PC games. It's more that 30% of the games that they release will also be on PC by 2025. So it's it's games that they're releasing in 2025. So they've got this chart with a split. So it's like 55% is going to be a PS5 game. And then um, PC games will take up like 30% and then like 20% of uh, the rest will be mobile games. But there's probably some crossover on that, especially as they shift into live services. Right. And you got to imagine that like of that, Right. Like, I'm sure a lot of that is re-releasing old titles on PC. And like, you know, we know that with Bungie, like they have plans to to release games that will be um, cross play with PC day and date and things like that. So, um, yeah, I I don't think that it necessarily means that they're moving into developing PC only games. But I think it's just that like more and more they're going to be trying to be trying to leverage PC as a platform where PlayStation exists, you know. Which makes sense, um, you know, given some of the the moves we've seen them make. And I mean, again, looking at these numbers, right? Like to put out a game that came out what three years prior, two years prior, yeah, three years prior with Horizon, um, more than that with God of War, and be like, let's sell another couple million copies. Yeah, it's it's you know, it's it's uh, it's a very easy value proposition. Yeah, I think so, um, and I think that it's like we're only going to see more of them, um, which I'm I'm very happy about. Um, the mobile strategy for me is more interesting because as I just I don't know that they have a mobile studio at the moment, and they say they're going to establish a network of internal studios and projects and co-develop with top IP industry leaders. But they've got down projected for this year that ten percent of their re- games released this year will be mobile games. And we haven't seen a single one of them yet. And I don't know what studios that they're going to have. They've got down Fire Sprite as a mobile um, house on their uh, list of studios and Valkyrie um, down as a, one of their mobile studios. So maybe we'll see something from them. I'm curious what game it will be. What Will it be an existing IP, do you think? Will it be um, something fresh? Will it be like a, a puzzle game? Or will it be like a, a gacha game? What do you reckon? I don't I don't necessarily have many thoughts in terms of like what kind of games we can expect as much as like I think I think the thing that makes the most sense to me is like they have a thing here where it's saying like co-development of top IP with industry leaders. I think that's the thing that makes the most sense, right? Is like how do you do like what they're doing with Horizon, right? Where it's like, "Hey, we're going to make this Horizon VR game," right? That is like a way for you to experience the horizon IP that you know and love in this fresh new context or, and I think it's, it's not any different than the television strategy that, um, that they're, they're employing. Right. And like, this is another piece of news that came out, not related to the investor call, but, um, just like kind of in that, in the same window where they've announced, um, a, a couple new, PlayStation production series and development. There's going to be a Horizon show at Netflix. There'll be a God of War show coming to Amazon and a Gran Turismo show um, in development with no, you know, going somewhere. no service announced. <laughs> yeah, somewhere. Um, and then there's there's also like 
you know, they, they talked about like um, uh, Uncharted and like some of the movie initiatives. And of course, like they have that Twisted Metal series in development and a couple other shows. So, um, you know, we, we know that this is a strategy that they've been leaning into. But I think it speaks to what this like is talking about in a very broad sense, right? Where like, I think the goal is to leverage their IP in ways beyond putting out games on the PlayStation console, whether mm-hmm. that's an HBO show or a mobile game or Lego a live set. service title, Lego set, whatever, right? Like it, it's, it's very much, it's very, it's honestly very similar to what we've been seeing from Nintendo, right? Where like in their investor con- uh, talk a couple of weeks ago that we discussed on Nintendo noise, they talked about how, part of the strategy of of keeping their audience engaged across generations is engaging them everywhere and even outside of, of video games, right? And making them, making us, right, the player, care about an IP so much or, or like having us develop that relationship with an IP so much that we're willing to maybe try a mobile game or watch an HBO show or whatever, right? And that like it, making Horizon bigger than Horizon Zero Dawn and Horizon Forbidden West. And maybe there's a comic book, right? Like, they want those IP to have prestige and be able to be leveraged for new audiences in new ways, right? And it's like, you know, I, I think, like, it could be as simple as something as, like, you remember that Fallout game, the Vault game that they made? Yeah. That was, like, a mobile title? I could see that exact same game for The Last of Us. Right. Where it's like, oh, it's a management sim and you have a community and you need to protect it. And like, that's it. Right. Or like, you know, I don't know, like maybe it's, uh, you know, they have Last of Us, that Last of Us Factions game that's in development. And maybe that's playable on mobile in the same way that like Fortnite is playable. on. Yeah, mobile, I think, I right? think like, the more I think about it, the more I think that's probably the move. We'll talk about it a little bit more in a minute about the live service strategy because that's a, a massive chunk of this presentation. But they've got three titles um, projected for, for this year. One of them we know, it's MLB The Show 2. Um, but the, we've got two more live service games due from SIE. Um, so not Bungie, it excludes that. So probably one of those is probably going to be, or both of them, playable on mobile. Um which is interesting. Or Bungie's releases maybe are, Bungie's, are like going to be the games that target mobile. So Bungie's doesn't it isn't included anywhere in any of these figures, and they made that clear on their Bungie oh, slide okay. because that um, has not closed, so they cannot count that, that towards sense. projected they can't revenue. They on it on their plans, yeah. right? Okay. So until um, that closes, they've got like plans of what they want to do with Bungie in here, but they're not allowed to include any of that revenue in any of the figures that they present to investors. That makes sense. Um, but but I think what you say about the the brand recognition and taking their games outside of of the, the console, just you know, opening the box essentially, I think makes sense. But I I do think based on looking at the gaming category growth and like uh, Jim had a slide all about like how much money is to be made in the gaming industry. They've clearly looked at it and saw that a huge slice of that is from mobile. Like sure. mobile is at the moment $131 billion versus the uh, the console market is $64 billion. And I think they want a slice of that. It makes sense. They're kind of the the odd one out at this point. Where well, they don't really have a, a mobile play. Even Nintendo got into mobile. Xbox is yeah, been doing but they're it with... they're divesting from it and giving up. 
Yeah, which is which is crazy to me, considering how how big they are. Obviously, Microsoft's just in the process of acquiring one of the biggest ones with King. Um, yeah, they're going to own Candy Crush, so they're going to be printing money essentially with that thing. That's such an interesting thing to me, though, because it's like I look at that as more like circumstantial, right? Like they didn't buy, they didn't buy Activision Blizzard because they wanted King, right? I think, I think it's more I like think part of it was though. Like I do think they want a mobile studio to or a mobile house to develop games with their IPs, because potentially, because yeah. like Take Two just bought Zynga to do the exact same thing because they didn't have anyone to make mobile yeah. games for them, and they obviously are looking at the same figures that. PlayStation's looking at seeing that it's worth over $160 billion. We need a slice of that. Our investors want us to have a slice of that. So when you own a studio like that, that already has an established IP, it's just passive income at that point, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's like Candy Crush prints money and like you don't really need to, it's, it's a, it's a well-oiled machine. It it just works, right? Like they support it and it's, it's successful, right? So you don't really need to, to rock the boat on that. But if you do want to leverage their experience in the same way that like Sony seemingly trying to leverage Bungie's experience, um, that makes sense. Well, cause so you've I don't got know. Call I, of Duty mobile made by them as well. Like over on the mobile side, yeah. if they could do like halo mobile, I can imagine that's something that Microsoft would probably want. And maybe we, sure. uh, and then I, I think you're on the money with like the, the factions game from the last of us. We're obviously going to see more, uh, live service games and more as they do more with their franchises just not sure sure what yeah and i'm sure we will hear more in the the near future hearing the 20 uh, percent of releases on mobile is something that i don't like if i'm honest um i'm sure that's a pretty inflated number like it i could really be, don't or it could just be that they're planning on releasing a lot of games that that yeah right because like 2025 they've got down that they're gonna sell uh, 10 billion in con- digital console software, which th- is flat basically across this. And how many of their billion. releases? How many of their releases that year do they say will be on console? Sixty uh, percent, I believe. Okay. Sixty? That doesn't add up because they said PCs thirty and mobiles twenty, right? So is it fifty? Yeah, it must be fifty. Don't yeah, love it's, that. It's fifty. It's fifty. Maybe fifty. I don't love that. You know, that's not that's not great. Um, but like you said, there we'll could be some overlap, right? Like it could be as a live yeah. service game that comes out on PlayStation, so that counts towards like a console launch. Could also come out on PC, so that counts as a PC launch, and it also comes out on mobile, so it counts as a mobile launch. Yeah. Um, or they could just be releasing a lot more games. And so the yeah. the PC yeah. and the mobile figures kind of cancel out the new releases on. Right. And it's like they were already going to release because they've said, right, that they have like 26 fucking games in development or 30. I forget what the number was. It was a really high number of games in development. And like 20 of them are new IP. And like, so I don't know. You know, well, I'm sure IPs, it's not necessarily. A- new IP is really interesting because by 2025 they want to have a 50-50 split on investment in new IP and existing IP at the moment they're investing 66% in existing IP and only 34% in new IP and so they want to yeah, make mean, sure they have you can new see stuff that. going forwards right you look at the PS4 generation and like the vast majority of of games that came out or like the vast majority of games that their top talent was working on were sequels 
right? Like mm -hmm. Naughty Dog did not release a new IP last generation, right? That's insane. Like that's like their crown jewel studio, right? And like the 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 IP that came to define the PS4, right? At least for new stuff, it was Gorilla, you know? Like and that's nuts. Like that's kind of unheard of, you know? Um, I don't think anyone would have said that they were an A tier studio no. or, or maybe an you know arguably S tier um, before Horizon, right? Um, so, and I mean, like there were experiments that didn't go as well, like Days Gone, but you know, look look how I mean, much did they it got not go out badly. Of like, who would be sad with eight million sales in sales? It's not bad. It, I, I think it's just like it's not it's not what they wanted it to be, and that's fine. Right. Like if if the worst case scenario is that you broke even and Bend learned more and they can make a bigger, better, more high quality game than they could before that game, then that's pretty good. That's a pretty good place to be for a studio that, you know, you don't expect as much from. Mm -hmm. I, I would I'm like sure that's more what, from them. Yeah, I mean, me too. And I mean, the hope, I think, is like. Maybe they go back and do like a siphon filter or like something that has like more name recognition or that people are more excited about because I think Days Gone struggled for a lot of reasons, right? Like the zombie thing, I think was kind of in its. And I think they released it too close to The Last of Us. Like it was. Yeah. And people were confused as to what it was. And comparing it to that. And it's yeah. like, we don't need this we already have a zombie game from place and they're like not the same at all but you know it, there, there's a lot of reasons that i think it came out and underperformed but you know mm -hmm. eight million is not bad right like that's that's not bad for a console exclusive game um and it's finding a second life on pc as well so you know hopefully um uh, hopefully we we see we see them make good on that promise i would love to see them uh really really change it up because as much as you know, video games are inherently like a very nostalgia driven medium. Like people love for old things to become new again and they love to go back and play old things. And that's a huge part of the culture. Right. And like, that's great. Like you look at something like God of War where you can take an established IP and dust it off and look at it in a new way and reinvent it for a new generation. And that's awesome. Right. And like, I don't necessarily want them to stop doing that. Um, but I want more horizons. I want more returnals. I want more fresh new things that when I look back on the PS5 generation, I'm like, oh, this game, this game came out, you know? Like, that's what I want to be thinking about. Not like, oh, yeah, the fourth Uncharted came out. Cool. You know, or like, oh, okay. Last of Us 2. Great. But we know Last of Us. What this about, is an established. What about Last of Us Remake, though, Pete? Hey. And that's the thing, right? Is you got to have some of those safe bets. I get it. And like, but like, you look at Horizon and like Ghost of Tsushima, right? And like, those came out and whip and they're fresh and they put Gorilla and Sucker Punch on a, a new level of relevance. That's what we want, right? That's what we want to see. And I, I want that for Bend. I want that for the other studios in their portfolio. Um, I want to see all of those studios keep rising their star power and like, you know, have Sony have this stable of like triple A studios that are just known for quality and for like originality, you know? Yeah. I think the problem is like we've all got in our minds what a uh, 
PlayStation, uh, Sony Interactive Entertainment game is at the moment. It's that single-player, narrative-driven experience, like an action game, right? I don't think that's what they want to put out anymore. 49% of games currently being worked on by PlayStation Studios are live service games, and it's expected to rise to 55% in 2025. Uh, The only live service game I have at the moment is MLB The Show. And that's on Xbox and Switch as well, so I wonder if we'll see... Uh, other live service games come to other consoles. We're expected. To I don't think so. That more that has more to do with the MLB than it does with PlayStation. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I wonder if, like, say they do like a a live service game for Marvel with Spider Man in it. Does sure. that show up on another platform? Like, I could see that happening at, at that point. Potentially. Um, three live service franchises expected by the end of this fiscal year, with twelve by the end of twenty twenty five, and that just seems like insane to me. Like I can't even don't think I can even name twelve franchises that PlayStation ha- have and operate and regularly release new games for. Twelve IP. Twelve IP. Well, regularly, I think is the sticky wicket there. <laughs> I could name twelve IP that they own, but yeah. Um. <laughs> I I think that there's a chance that this is a this is one of those numbers that again it's like what does this actually mean right cuz like I I agree with you that I think that Sony wants to be known for making more than that but I don't think that they that they feel like they don't want to make those games cuz those games are their bread and butter and they sell well and you know um I I I have a hard time thinking that they're like Let's totally abandon this strategy and move towards all this other stuff. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. Studios do this kind of thing all the time. You know, Sony's leadership has a lot of people I don't uh, have the most respect for. We'll say. Um, so it's certainly possible that they're just going to chase trends and you know, and and not think about what made them the success that they are. Happens all the time. Look at what happened to Xbox uh, for like an entire generation, right? So you know, um, Sony loves to step on rakes. But I think there's a chance, right, that, like, what what, what does a live service game mean, right? Because, like, you, you called out MLB The Show as being their only live service game. There's a, there's a ton of single-player content in that game. You could play that game as a single-player game. You know, the, the fact that it's a live service, all that means really is that it's a game that's constantly being updated and incentivizing players to come back, right? Okay. So what does that mean, right? Like, does that mean Ghost of Tsushima 2 is a live service game because it's going to have a Legends mode and rather than it being like one season of content and then it disappears, they're going to support it beyond the game's release? Or, you know, is like, is that what we're talking about? Because then that's fine, right? Like, if as long as Ghost of Tsushima 2 is good and the game I want it to be, if it has a live service mode that people vibe with, that's cool, right? Like, that's... that. That doesn't hurt anybody. Um, it's if that's not the case where that's going to be a really big problem, I think, for a lot of people. Um, me especially. I think if this is the case, if that's the future of, of what PlayStation is doing, I will not play PlayStation very much anymore. You know, and like that'll be that. And it'll go from being I was a primarily PS4 player and I bought all my games on PS4 and I played all my third party stuff on PS4 to be me jumping ship and doing all of that on Xbox or Steam maybe even um, because that's what PlayStation does that's valuable is those games. Nobody else, and I stand by this, 
nobody else makes that kind of game as well as PlayStation. Period. The end. And if they're going to heavily divest their focus in those kinds of games, they're going to lose a lot of players like me. Yeah, and um, I think I, that's I, the back of the backbone of their audience. I think they know that, but looking at their revenue split, something that I didn't realize was that digital add-ons for games match software sales dollar for dollar. They spent, they sold eighteen billion dollars uh, in software, or projected to spend to sell eighteen billion dollars of software this year, and sold eighteen billion dollars of digital add-ons for games, which includes a lot of stuff for like games like Fortnite. 25% sure. of sales on the PlayStation Store are for free-to-play games. So there's a there's big business to be had there, and I think that those digital add-ons are really what they want to they kind of reap the rewards from, if they can. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I wonder if that means developing different kinds of games, or is it how do we continue to monetize a game like Horizon Forbidden West? I think right? it could and be that, that, right? Because like you said the live service strategy, right? I think the best live service game I've played uh, that suits my play style, which is very much a single player, is Hitman. It's a live service game. It's constantly sure. getting updated with new content. There's community stuff added monthly. You get an elusive target that you can go in and you can... Uh, play once and then you've, you've got like a, a chance to do it and then that's it uh, and you can buy seasons there's like a new season coming out this year with like new uh new targets and new contracts and new things to do in the game cool new stories like they spend time to get players to come back and keep playing those games i think if sony can do that with their existing games uh, I think they're onto onto a winning strategy the problem is i don't know how they do that with something like a, a Last of Us, where it's just it's an, it's a story. It's like you're playing a I movie, think it's you right? Just do DLC, you know, like and and like you have like Left Behind, right? Like, but maybe it's like instead of le- just Left Behind, it's like buy a season pass and you'll get four, you know, short episodic adventures set in the universe of The Last of Us, and you'll get one per quarter, right, or something like that. Do you think that, that you counts know? as a live like, service, though? I don't. I don't think they see it as that. I think that's the traditional strategy of selling dlc for single player games which they even moved away from towards the end of the last generation they stopped doing dlc for their games and it was we're doing these like mm. mini point five games like here's a an uncharted lost legacy and then here's a spider i wouldn't say they Miles stopped Morales. doing it though because like they also did those things right like the uh miles morales and and what whatnot but like spider-man also had a full season pass dlc plan that basically was an entire sequel campaign right where it was three separate huge chapter that was essentially like when you got through it it was as long as the main game Mm -hmm. so like on spider-man right they released spider-man 2018 the city that never sleeps came out like over the course of the next year and then miles was out the next year that's an insanely uh efficient and profitable way to develop that kind of game and I don't know if they would count that as like in the live service conversation, but that would count into that other revenue point that you mentioned, which is the number of sales that come from digital add-ons. It that was. is a digital yeah. add-on. It is. So if they want to expand the profitability of games like Spider-Man and the and and the like, maybe that's the the move. But I also know that the attachment rate for those is never as good as the actual game itself. 
Um, so there's, I don't know, you know, there's a conversation to be had about that too. Um, but you know, I don't know. It's, it, it remains to be seen. Uh, and like you're, you're, it's possible that like what you're saying is certainly, uh, right. And that they're like, Hey, like we are going to lose some of those people, but like, oh, well, right. Cause we need to expand into other markets and we can't just keep doing the same thing. Um, yeah, I mean the monetization I, I, strategy has definitely changed from PS4 to PS5. Like they they have this they have this chart, and I I recommend everyone go to check this deck out for for yeah. a, di- a data nerd. It's absolutely a meal. Uh, sales of games for games down twenty one percent from PS4 to PS5, and you might be able to like count that to the fact that basically they've released nothing apart from uh, Horizon this year, really. Also, um, there's a fraction of the consoles in the wild. Like that's not that's not is, a, that's not a on, relevant. This data is point. average spend per connected device, so it, it evens out. So it's it's related based on each device that's there, the average spend for that device, and it's comparing the previous fiscal year to this fiscal year. It's comparing the the launches of the consoles. So there was more oh, PS4s in the wild. launch year PS4 versus, versus PS5. launch. Yeah. Okay, but weren't there more PS4s in the wild? There were. Right. But this is average so, spend per connected device, so it's not based on... So, like, if it's you, one device, average spend, down 21% on four games, up 247% on add-ons, and up 21% on, on subscriptions. So the average player buys less four games, okay. spends shitloads more on... On digital add-ons, like probably yeah. V-Bucks for Fortnite or yeah. F- FIFA Bucks or whatever they're called on, on that game. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, though. Like, I mean, I, I'm not saying that, like, f- focusing more energy on those things doesn't make sense because obviously they are huge revenue drivers. But if that's, like, I don't know. I, I, I feel like if you don't have the appeal of sony's ip why wouldn't you just go play on xbox because you've got those ip but you're not necessarily playing them in like it's 50 50 right it's 50 percent. they're saying 50 percent is going to be live service so there is still 50 percent of their games that that isn't that is just the, yeah. still the single player traditional experience a traditional model they call it which is we release a full game and then we release dlc that goes on top of it right so they're still doing those type of things but if you could say play as Aloy in a live service game on top of also having that single player experience, maybe within that same game, like why wouldn't you want to or do that? Or at least within the same engine, yeah. right? Which is like what they did with Legends. And I, and again, I think that makes a lot of sense. And if that's what we're talking about, where it's like, yeah, well, that's what we're doing now. And the, and the model is we have <clears throat> the team at Gorilla, right? Work on... I'm using them as an example. Um, we'll say we'll say Ghost instead. That's because that's a provable example. You have the team at Sucker Punch, right? Develop the the IP of Ghost of Tsushima, and they get you know they get the the go ahead to make Ghost. That'll be the premium AAA now seventy dollar box title that introduces the IP and competes for game of the year and, you know, gets all the attention that their games get and the prestige that their games get and establishes this as a known IP 
then they decide, okay, let's make a movie. Let's make a TV show that'll proliferate and make the IP even more saturated and more well-known. And then in that IP development period, right, we're working on Ghost of Tsushima Legends, right, or Horizon's multiplayer mode or whatever it is. And we put that out as well. And that's what the, the team that, you know, uh, the the developers, right? The actual developers and the artists and the people that do the asset creation and all that stuff while the scripters and the ideators and all those kinds of folks are working on what the next game is about or the next IP is about. That's historically been a problem at Sony, right? Where like that was a thing with Naughty Dog, right? Where it's like we finish a project and we have all these people that we then need to lay off or put on another project. That could be a way to also drive efficiency, right? Where it's like, okay, you work on the single player game for X number of years, that comes out, all the folks that were doing the IP development move on to the next project, whether that's a new IP or a sequel to a successful IP or maybe, you know, dusting off an old IP and reimagining it, whatever, whatever that move is. And while they're doing that, all of the other folks that get laid off or have to move on to another project start working on the live service multiplayer element that's built in the engine that you've already developed. You already have a framework for gameplay. You already have a bunch of assets that you can start working off of. And that's where you get the Last of Us factions, right? Which is, that's literally exactly what they're doing right now is the Last of Us team uh, got broken up to go, a bunch of them are working on the the re-release of of one. Um, A bunch of them are working on this multiplayer element. And then, you know, the Neil Druckmans and and whoever, whomever else is at that studio are deciding what the story is for the next proper release. And if, if that's what we're talking about, then... That's fine, you know. Like I don't, I don't necessarily think that's going to be a problem. I don't think that'll necessarily mean less of the type of games that certain players have come to expect. Um, it might just mean more games, right? More releases in general, so the saturation of those games is less in their overall portfolio. Which is what you were saying about that twenty twenty five number, right? Where it's like, well, okay, is that is that fifty percent because they're releasing less single player games, or because they're releasing twice as many games as they usually released and they're coming out on other platforms. And I think it's probably... Because they're acquiring more studios, too. Yeah. So, like, that also makes sense, right? Of course you're putting out more games if you own five more studios than you did five years ago, you know? Or I guess three years from now, right? All those studios that they just acquired will theoretically have a release ready for that window. Yeah, I I think so, and obviously we've got they have the like ongoing stuff with Bungie, and like there is like a we are still waiting for that to happen, so they can't include any of the revenue base. It's suspected it's closing Q three of of this year, um, but they've got like a whole thing of what they're gonna do, and it's gonna be like twelve months before like they're actually fully established, and they want to establish. Let's check this name out, Pete. A live service center of excellence where Bungie Studio, PlayStation Studios and Bungie uh, join up with Sony Interactive Entertainment Publishing to fully integrate Bungie expertise into all SIE processes. Um, and I think they we're going to see Bungie publish games um, because they've said that. And I could see right. that's how they get the games on other platforms. Um, that they say... Is this a PlayStation Studios title? Is this a Bungie title? 
because they're all at the same center for excellence and like they can decide between them and choose who publishes it uh and i think we could see we could see that um but the the figure that um the 50 50 is just sony interactive entertainment titles so the 50 percent, i think right probably means 50 percent more more games coming out which i i i think is is fine if that is the case yeah, but I mean, even just looking at this, right? They've acquired one, two, three, four, five, six, seven studios since 2021. Mm-hmm. So, and then investments in like Devolver and what have you. So, um, that's pretty insane. Right? Like, that's like a lot. That's a lot of new opportunity for them to release a lot more software than they have in the last, you know, couple of years. Um, yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see. It's going to be really interesting to see. Uh, and, you know, you can see they have, like, a whole slide on, like, expanding their IP and leveraging it up for, like, movies and retail and TV series and all these other places. And I think it goes into... They have a, a quote that you pulled here about console and beyond, a transformation from PlayStation's current console-centric approach to a future where large elements of our community extend beyond the console. And they talked about PC and mobile, VR, cloud, metaverse, uh, the Discord integration. But I also think that expands to this to these other IP leverages, right? To comics and toys and movies and just PlayStation being more ubiquitous and more everywhere than on, on the box in your living room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I don't agree. think that that means anything that, like, is bad for PS5. I think it just means that like Sony's trying to expand what they're doing. You know, no, plus they also have a slide in here where it talks about current um, issues with supply uh, for the PlayStation and the fact that they don't expect that to kind of steady out until 2024. And so I, I think a large part of it is the fact that that's why we're seeing, still seeing cross-gen titles. That's why we're probably seeing an, a, a, a rapid exponential growth on PC as they put it. Um, they just can't make enough PlayStation Fives to meet the demand. Even though, like, there's a there's a really cool figure that they've got where they're selling US retailers are selling PS Fives at a rate of one thousand a minute when they have them, uh, and they My sell God. out in just a ridiculous amount. Uh, ridiculous, like it's like that. They're they're here and then they're gone. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of interesting like stuff there too like they had record earnings in a transition year is like one of the slides and like that's a huge win for them that they had record earnings while putting out a new console um yeah it's the first you know, time i haven't made a loss like check out the ps3 loss on that slide it's just like insane numbers yeah it was a huge dip um a huge dip <laughs> and uh they like you said there's the bid on the unprecedented demand uh in november 2021 55 percent of uh, folks expressed interest in PS5, and that's, of course, launch month for PS5. Uh, In November 2014, only 28% expressed interest in PS4, and the PS4 is the most successful console they've ever released, and the, what, third most successful console of all time? Mm -hmm. I believe is the number. Um, Might be fourth now if the Switch overtook it. It might, yeah. Either way. Top five, right? One of the top five. One of the best-selling consoles ever. And there's more than double the demand for it. Or nearly double the demand. 
Um, that's pretty nuts. And they, they call this out, which is the, the 1,000 rates per minute. Um, PS4 units were selling six per minute at the same stage in the life cycle. So that's huge. That's huge for them. And I bet you that is also a, a narrative element to this presentation, right? Because when the core part of your business is just fucking slapping ass and like it's doing insanely good and the only thing that's stopping it from growing more is a supply constraint that you literally cannot control, how do you get investors excited about how much your business is going to grow? You talk about the other places you're going to expand into and the other opportunities that you've been leaving on the table that you're no longer going to leave on the table. Mm -hmm. So I bet you that's also part of what uh, has shaped this narrative around all these other things is like, look how much the PS5 is is just absolutely dominating. We want to extend that domination to PC and mobile and all these other places. And even if some of these bets don't pan out, if any of them pan out, that'll be really huge for a business that's already really successful for them. Um, and there's like a whole thing about how there's a huge demand in China um, as well that is... Uh, so this is interesting. For the PS4, right, they have a, a thing. It's week 72 sell-through after global launch. They had 250K PS4s sold with free supply, meaning anyone could get one. You could go on a shelf and grab one, and they sold 250,000. They've sold 670,000 with supply constraints being what they are. And China probably not being a market that they prioritized, right? Because historically, not been the biggest market for them. So that's another huge thing, right? Is that like China continues to develop as an emerging market that is that has a lot of money on the table and PlayStation um, seemingly one of the console brands that's pretty entrenched there. So mm -hmm. they got a lot of opportunity there for sure. Yeah, tons of opportunity there. And like uh, sticking on the like retailer um, side of things, the PlayStation Direct store that they set up in order to directly sell to consumers, which is similar to like the official Nintendo store, and I think Microsoft has a store as well, but Sony didn't have one. Uh, they set that up, I think, last year. Um, they're they're expanding to other countries. They're forecasting one point five billion dollars of revenue this year, which is insane. Uh, and I kind of feel like their approach is is cutting out the middleman a lot because we they also have the figure that eighty percent of software sales on PlayStation Four climbed uh, is now um, digital. Digital, yeah, yeah, which is great. I mean, right? That's cutting out the middleman. That's making them a lot more money. And they've also been talking about the continued success of PS Four, um, which is even though there's this new console that everyone wants and the people that have it love it there's a still a really dedicated active audience on PS4. And while, you know, I know that that's going to slow down, especially as the releases trickle, you know, when we're talking about how much of the audience or the revenue at least is, you know, sales of, of items in digital games, right? Like you can play Fortnite on your PS4 for years, right? Like you'll still still be making money. So what's the problem? Right, like that's great. That business is staying healthy for them uh, during a point where you know, they want to be growing this new market, and they can't grow it as much as they need to, right? Or not even need to, but as much as they would like to be able to, you know. And and there's nothing they can't control. There being a lack of parts, right? That's something that they have absolutely no control over, and there's no real way to solve that problem. 
Um, so it's, you know, I'm sure they're really happy to see that because they attribute it to ongoing AAA slate, continued uh, free-to-play growth, uh, retained post-COVID-19 digital shift, and a loyal subscriber base and ARPU growth opportunities. I don't know what that stands for. Oh, Average revenue per user. Thank you. So, I mean, that's that's something that they've got to be really, really happy with. They do, um, yeah. So, and like that ARPU growth strategy, the biggest place that they, they attributed that to was the new PS Plus. That was one of their motivations for the new service, along with better consumer value, uh, improved retention. And they want to grow that user base to over 50 million this year, which will be phenomenal if they can do it. Uh, it, it puts the attachment rate currently at 82% on PS5. So That's it, so high. Yeah, compared That's to so 61, much higher than I thought it was. 61% on PS4, which is even ridiculously high considering how many PS5s there are in the wild. Right. Like that's like that's that's billions of dollars coming in from that. That's mm-hmm. nuts. And I mean, I'm sure it comes out in the wash because obviously they're, you know, they're uh having to get games on the platform and spend money and all that kind of and stuff. And maintain to... the service, like keep the servers sure. running and stuff. But still, I mean, that's that's still a hell of a return for them. Yes. Yeah. Um, and uh, something I didn't realize is the catalog of PS4 and PS5 games. Like they're claiming there's a catalog of 400 plus PS4 and PS5 games on day one of the new service. Uh, that seems like a lot compared to the the launch list they gave us like two like last week. That's the thing they've said that that's a tease, right? So I mean that's exciting. You know, it's like it makes you think like. Okay, like, what is that going to look like? And how many of these are, like, retro games that we don't know are going to come? And obviously, there's been some conversation about how the emulation on the PS1 stuff is not great right now. Um, so, you know, there'll be some kinks to work out there. But I'm sure they will. Um, yeah, and it, it does make you think, like, how much is that going to move the needle, right? Because, like, there are so many people, as we can see, <laughs> on these platforms playing games like crazy and a lot of them are not on Xbox and Game Pass is not a consideration for them. And, you know, like this might be, you know, and like if they can get a bunch of these PS4 folks to bite on this for, you know, a couple more years while they sure up the PS5 numbers, that's going to be a huge, huge spike in revenue for them. You got to imagine. Yeah. I mean, they haven't said the how many PlayStation Now subscribers they had and if they're, and how they're going to roll those over here. But but if they're looking to grow that user base up to 50 That automatically million. transfers over, doesn't it? If you have PlayStation Now, can't you just roll right into the new? Yes, with a an upgrade fee, as far as I'm aware. Like, if you didn't have PlayStation mm. Plus, you have to, like, pay for that with, like, the upgrade fee now. You can't get PS Now without PS Plus, I think. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure because it requires okay. online. That's uh, fair. So for those no, folks, it it's a better deal. Some games you can download that like you can just download games like this doesn't require streaming for for those ones. I thought you could get I, PS I now still, without PS Plus. I'll, I'll fact check that. But uh, obviously, your point. that's like gone at this point. Um, so who knows if they're accounting that into the fifty million? PS Now subscription is only available to account holders of PlayStation Network who are aged uh, 18 and over. Hmm. I think you can. You you could get it. Mm, Yeah, maybe you could. Maybe you could. 
but I, I, I don't know how it works now because obviously there was this uh, this story about PlayStation kind of. I think you wrote in the document doc nickel and diming people about the PlayStation yeah. subscription. Yeah. So uh, anybody who has Game Pass uh, or has listened to us talk about Game Pass, right, has has probably heard of the just insane deals that Microsoft was offering early on when they were trying to get people to get in on the platform and trying to evangelize it. And they would do like, you can get X number of months of Game Pass and you'll spend a dollar a month. Or you can buy, you know, as much gold and then transfer it over and we'll give you an equivalent amount of of, uh, of Game Pass, right? And that was something that, like, I know I took advantage of, right? Like, I have Game Pass until, like, 2024, or something like that, like something fucking insane, because I just bought a bunch of cards on a discount and took advantage of the one month, th- dollar a month thing, and I just gamed it as much as I could, and I got like two or three years of it for like, I don't know, like 90 bucks or something. It was nuts. Um, I saved a ton of money. And, you know, a lot of people are trying, we're trying to do that uh, with, with PlayStation Plus and trying to get, basically get a deal on on the all new ps plus and um i'm not sure if nibble was the one who broke the story that's where i saw it for the first time uh at nibelian on twitter um there are a bunch of reports from asian players who already have access to the new ps plus uh who are talking about it like on reddit and on like so you know some like social media in, in japan and the like um and they were saying that if you got your sub at a discount, you'll be charged a higher upgrade fee to make up for the discount. And stacked subscriptions must also pay the upgrade for the entire sub duration. So if you had stacked a bunch of these to try and, you know, game the system and have it all switch over and, you know, kind of grandfather yourself in uh, to a higher number of all new PS Plus months at a discount... Sony has gone out of their way to circumvent that and charge you extra to make up for that loss, which when you look at the motivations for the service change, that makes sense like for for them and you know for their bottom line and what they're trying to achieve. But boy, is that a bad fucking look. I like that is, you know, Sony does some really anti-consumer stuff now and then, but like boy, that is bull shit. If they had decided, like, hey, everyone who's done it, net, like, already, you know, you you got us, right? And from now on, we're going to be charging this, right? I would still feel bad about that. I would still be like, come on, man. Like, you know, why you got to try and nickel and dime people that you're already making a ton of money off of? But, like, to not even give that warning and then be like, Hey, if you've stacked these up, you have to pay for it all at once. Is like that is really insult to injury, you know? That sucks. Yeah, what's crazy? I was reading through some of the comments on Reddit, and you'd think that it was like uh, the calculation is like calculated daily, right? Um, so you'd think it was uh, like if I look at it today, I've got to pay ten dollars. If I look at it tomorrow, it's nine dollars. I look at it two days, it's eight dollars, kind of thing based on the amount of time I've got left in order to upgrade. Um, someone's put, no, it's not calculated daily. Hilariously, it's calculated in real time like a taxi. If we check the upgrade fee every 10 to 12 hours, we get a few cents di- extra discount. 
interesting. And there's an update from uh, the poster of the post that Nibble is talking about, and it says new updated. It seems Sony cha- and I'm. It seems like they're probably uh, ESL English, English as a second language. So I'm just going to read what they wrote. Uh, new updated. It seems Sony changed their calculation. Now you don't have to pay back the discount. Yesterday, today. And there's two, uh, they're photos from the China uh, NGA forum that they, they screenshotted. And it's, you can see there's, um, it's it's just like, it's a difference of like a hundred, almost a hundred dollars um, between the two. So I don't know if maybe they're backtracking on this, but yeah, very, very interesting. Um, and, and, you know, obviously not what you want to see. If they are backtracking, I'm sure it's because... A lot of people are very upset. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, so. it it sucks that they feel like they have to do this all the time. I mean, this was the same issue I always took with the the kind of the extra ten or fifteen dollars they tried eking out people to upgrade to the PS5 version or whatever, and it was just like, come on. I, I just I genuinely don't understand it. I really don't like they're making so much money. These are the most dedicated players. They're like on your latest console. They are subscribed to your service so much so that they like stacked a bunch of, uh, of gift cards so they could subscribe to your service for a long time. You got a lot of money out of them up front and you're going to forgo them. Like they're saving of like $2 a month or something just because you really need that for your bottom line. Because you can, yeah you know like that's it it's that simple um yeah and it's that sucks you know like no matter how you slice it that's it's a bad feeling like it's the it's the kind of thing that um you know unfortunately i feel like we've largely come to expect from both sony and nintendo right Mm -hmm. where like they do shit like this and it's just like they do it because they can and that's a bad feeling and i feel like in comparison um to how Xbox has played things the, the, over the last generation or so, um, there's a reason that Xbox has this good guy reputation right now. There's a reason that everybody has this like, oh, ooh, we love we love Phil Spencer, we love Phil Spencer. It's like, yeah, well, it's why, right? Like they like they're it's that's totally intentional. These are that's very deliberate moves on their part to ingratiate us and have us think Xbox is the good guy. Xbox cares about me xbox cares about value xbox cares about the player and sony is making like literally the opposite in almost every move right where they're like we're concerned about the bottom line nobody cares about retro games we're not going to do that we're not going to do this we're not going to do that and like you know when people squeal they back off on stuff right like epic was able to bully them into uh cross play and bully them into free-to-play games not needing ps uh now or uh, PS Plus, and you know they were able to be bullied into a lot of things, like you know the 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 not closing down the storefronts. Now they have this retro person, like you know all they they listen to the audience, but they very much do the thing that all corporations do, right? Which is we're gonna squeeze as much fucking blood out of this stone as we can until you until you squeal, and then. Okay, all right, far bad. We apologize. We love you. We care about you. You know, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, I mean, a corporation's going to corporation, right? Like, that's that's the reality. It's awful. I hate it. It's exploitive. But you 
can't expect a, a company to do anything else. And for what it's worth, right? Like, if Xbox was on top, they'd probably be doing the same shit. So, <laughs> you know, no corporation is your friend. All right, that's that's my message for today. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so uh, let's let's get through the last couple things here and close it out. Um, you had a couple more bullets here. Uh, we talked about how there's going to be the 20 plus major first party and third party titles for PSVR 2 at launch. We'll of course hear more about those at the state of play. Uh, we also know that they had a new investment in. Uh, is it Excel Byte? It's Excel Byte. Yeah, they're a back end as a service company. They work with a bunch of uh, big players like Respawn, for example, um, and. It's like a drop-in system for their for like your game, and they'll run your back end for you. So you can you can like check the number of players, like anti-cheat, all of that stuff. They're they're meant to be like an all-in-one package deal kind of thing. So I imagine their investment comes as part of their foray into live service games, and then wanting to leverage Excel Bytes knowledge and software and things like that. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, you know, maybe that's. Maybe that's like um, also in collaboration with Bungie, or maybe it's more so that like they can leverage Bungie's expertise, but not have to rely on their technology and take attention away from their projects. Like I don't know, but um, it's 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 something that makes sense, right? In the context of what we know um, mm-hmm. they're trying to do and the and the direction that they're moving overall. So um, definitely, definitely a natural partnership. It sounds like. Um, the last thing we'll talk about here today uh, is it's a pivot. This is the end of the financial discussion. I think overall, very interesting presentation, very data focused. Um, here's hoping PlayStation continues to do these. They're always really fun when Nintendo does them. So it's cool to see PlayStation do a similar kind of presentation um, and make it available. Um, but the last thing I want to talk about is that God of War Ragnarok has uh, apparently been rated by the Korean ratings board, which has a lot of people talking uh, about the idea um, of this game actually making it out in 2022. Yes, wow. What do you think? I didn't think this was ever going to happen, but it looks like it is, right? I mean, they don't show up for nothing. On yeah. these ratings boards, like usually, this means something's coming. Um, I think we're probably going to see it this year. I think it's probably going to hit that. If it doesn't, maybe they've they've got it rated so that they can, I don't know, hope that they make it across the finish line and it gets. And if they don't, pushed, yeah, yeah, it's ready to go yeah. at a later date. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, I, I obviously I predicted that it would come out this year. I've I I think literally even like a week ago we were talking about it and we placed bets and I said I didn't think it was going to come out. Um, I'd be really happy to be wrong. I'll tell you what, <laughs> I would be really happy to be wrong about that. Um, oh yeah, it was we talked about the game of the year discussion and like what like what's going to happen, right? Yeah. And like it would be great to see Elden Ring get some healthy competition. It would be great to see this game come out and. You know, and uh, and and be what we hope it's going to be, and be another ten out of ten. You know that kind of thing. Um, but I'm also I'm kind of resigned to it not coming out. So if it doesn't make it, I'm at the point where I don't think I'm going to be disappointed. Um, I'll be pleasantly surprised if it does come out. But this does seem to point to the idea that it's more 
imminent than not. So I wonder if even if it gets delayed, is it getting delayed to like Q1? And it's going to come out like at the same time that Horizon came out this year. I mean, that would be cool. That doesn't seem crazy. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what the timeline usually is for them to submit uh, games to get rated at the Korean ratings board. Let's I, find out. Because it could it could be that this is the usual timeline, right? Six to eight months out from release, they submit it. They make sure that they're on the right path. Maybe there was something that's in the game that they wanted to make sure wouldn't get them over a certain threshold to make it not playable in certain countries that kind of thing because you see stories about games being banned in australia all the time or whatever maybe that's the the case that they're working on something that maybe is a little bit too hardcore or something but i would imagine they've got contacts within the ratings boards that they can talk to about that kind of thing so my guess would be that this was submitted in a playable state so they can assess it so it's probably almost near the finish line maybe we hear about this as a surprise on Thursday's state of play. Yeah, I, th- I think you're probably right. Uh, if I had to guess, you know what? Here, let me see. I have a article about Marvel Midnight Suns um, that is a similar thing, where it came out on the a Korean. It's like the exact same website. Um, so let's see. So Horizon Forbidden West was rated on November 4th to 2021 by the Korean Game Rating and Administration Committee. Okay. So that Oh was, my god, that's a really similar timeline then, right? It like, is, but that, Horizon that could mean was, it's out was this fall. due out Horizon was due out last year, wasn't it? So and then they delayed it. Yeah. Um Yeah, so I it I mean, that timeline is, well, that's six months until the, it's released. We could, if it's out now, it could be November, December that we're seeing the release of God of War or they push it back, but it's exciting. Yeah, I mean, this this article from IGN is making the same case where it's saying games are usually only presented to ratings boards uh, once they're in a complete or near complete state so that an accurate assessment of suitability can be given. Mm-hmm. So and that's this is uh I said the Marvel Midnight Suns thing and this is by Ryan Dinsdale so thank you Ryan, um, yeah so I mean the idea that it's like mm, maybe five six months out that's not that's not crazy right November to February that's what we just did I don't know it's exciting to think about though I hope I hope I hope I'm wrong I'd love I'd love that's that's a, a a point I'll happily lose on the predictions uh competition if it means I get to play this game this year that'd be pretty sweet yeah it would be nice I've just checked ESRB it's not showing up there yet so I'm gonna keep an eye out for it I'm gonna check Peggy as well but I'd imagine if it was there we'll have heard, we'd have heard about it by now um it's inter- it's interesting I I've not played God of War maybe this is one I should pick up uh Oh, Steve! Yeah, you gotta play it before before Ragnarok comes out. I I think it's I think it's a masterpiece. I really do. Where should I play it? Should I play it on PlayStation Five? I think you should. I believe it has a PlayStation Five patch that gives you the all the benefits. Um, let me see. Not a good contender for a handheld. Uh, I don't know. I mean, like it's. Yeah, okay, it does have a 60 FPS upgrade. Um, so you should definitely play it. You should play it there, I think. Because 
I, it's not to say that like it's not a game that I could see someone playing on Steam Deck and enjoying it, but I don't think that's how you should experience it for the first time. Okay. You know, like it has really beautiful environments and like the voice acting is really good. The music is really good. I think limiting yourself to hearing it on the Steam Deck's, you know, speakers and, and, and all that stuff. Like, again, second playthrough. Yeah, absolutely. I'll probably play it a second time on Steam Deck. But I think if you're going to play it for the first time, like you should give the game the the respect that it deserves and play it on the big screen and really, really try to immerse yourself in the experience. Okay, that's my opinion anyway. Maybe that I pick up PlayStation Plus Deluxe or whatever it is for a month, give it a go because it's on that. I think it's also on sale right now. PlayStation's doing their annual uh, like huge days of play, sale. Yeah, days of play. Um, I think is 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 currently ongoing. It was one um, of the games that wasn't in their sales on PC, so I was like, oh well, you know, I'll probably pick up Days Gone or something instead. But let's see. Yeah, so it it looks like God of War. Where are you? Is it on this list? That can't be right. It's got to be on sale. And they weren't, but I don't think they were putting it on sale like on. On PC, like I said, so maybe they're excluding it. Hmm. I wonder why. Probably making Newer too much games. money selling full price. Maybe. Um. I don't know. I like. I swear to God, I I like was looking at it and it was like twenty bucks. Because like I was going through it and it was like all of the games that they had on the list were like games I already owned and I was like, oh, it's a good deal, but I already have it, so. <laughs> Um, like I almost grabbed Kina, Bridge of Spirits. That was like really cheap. Um, oh, you know what it is? Okay, it's. I think it's just always twenty bucks now, because they put it out as one of those. Um, you know, like the like best selling PS4 uh, games or the gold ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can get it for twenty bucks, and I think it's a steal at that price. And you'll spend more than that on it on PC to have it run not as well. Understand? Yeah, like that's what I mean. Like for that price, for, for that price, I might as well just get a subscription for the. I mean, couple of months. Yeah, but only if you're gonna like. I mean, if you, I would do it annually, then if you're gonna do it month to month, I think that's gonna be a waste of your money because it'll take you more than a month to beat that game. Probably, yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, it's fifteen ninety nine on the PlayStation Store. Or the digital deluxe version is twenty four ninety nine. but I don't know what you get with that. You, no, I think that's anyway, this, like extra... Yeah, this buy is it. this is me shopping at this point, so Yeah, just buy the game. We're gonna end we're gonna end the show there. <laughs> Go buy the game and play it. Um and I'll 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 replay it with you if you want. We could do like a little book club kind of thing, you know, who's to say? I'm up for that. It's not a game I want to stream for the first time. Like I've had no, issues streaming don't. games that are narrative driven, and like really struggling to follow what the follow yeah. the story. It'll, it'll, it'll t- completely ruin it for you. Yeah, it's it's it a uh, it's an intimate emotional game, and you don't want to be like having that while you're on camera trying to entertain and like people in chat like making jokes. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, don't don't do don't do that. Play the game, and then if you like it enough to stream it again, stream it again. <laughs> That would be my recommendation anyway. So, 
Thank you all for joining us here on another episode of the Flip Screen Games podcast. This was a meaty one. I knew it was going to go long, but goddamn, this was a this was a hefty boy. So I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Sony, drop another bombshell, and you can have the you can have the whole episode again next week. All right, you give me this level of news, and and I'll, that'll be my guarantee to we've, you. We've so, literally keep- got a state of play next week, so probably it's gonna. <laughs> I think we're going to have to do a couple extra episodes, honestly, as we move into the Summer Games uh, Fest season, because there's going to be a lot, I think, coming yeah, out. Yeah, crazy that this is being considered part of the Summer Games Fest. That whole branding is just weird to me. It's just like all of these separate things and only just Summer Game Fest. It's like Sony didn't re- reference that this was part of the Summer Games Fest, but Jeff was quick to chuck it on his calendar. Hey, you can do whatever he wants. It's his calendar. He's just letting you know. He's just letting you know. It's free publicity for them. What do they care? It's on. Right? It's on uh, Jeff Grubb's Summit Game Mess as well. So I guess that's only fair. Yeah. There you go. It works. Anyway, thank you all for joining us. Uh, remember, head over to FlipScreen.Games. That's our website. You can find links to our Patreon, where you can get early access to this and Nintendo Noise. You can get our exclusive show, One More Thing, and a whole bunch of other good perks and goodies. Head over to our Twitch channel, where every Wednesday and Thursday we are there streaming video games for your viewing pleasure. And then a couple other times a week if we have the time. So go and give it a follow, and you'll know when we go live. And then, of course, uh, we've got our Discord. We've got our email address. We've got our social media. A bunch of ways that you can get in contact, become a part of the community, right into the show. However you choose to get involved, we appreciate you spending your time with us and tuning in for this week's episode. For Flip Screen Games, I've been Pete. He's been Steve. We'll see you next week. 